Hey, this is Money Talk. I'm Andrew Work. And now, in Your Money Today, Carolyn Wright takes a look at the potential financial benefits of having a diverse workforce. Good morning, Carolyn. Good morning. In the wake of it being International Women's Day this week, today we are going to take a look at the importance of diversity in the workplace for the success of a company and its workforce. I'm joined this morning by Andrea Randall, a partner at RPC. Let's kick off with the key question here. Why is it so very important and more than ever now to implement more rounded diversity and inclusion policies in workplaces? So you're absolutely right. Workplace diversity is becoming increasingly important and it's also increasingly acknowledged by businesses as being important. Now, international firms have really been leading the charge on this issue, many of which have or are going to be putting in DNI policies. And the reason for this, and I think the research actually is quite clear, diverse teams can be more sustainable in the long run and actually more profitable. When you have a diverse workforce, what you harvest is diversity of thought, opinions, experiences, and that leads to businesses making better decisions, better innovation, when, because you have more views on the table. Now, we say diversity uh, and inclusivity because just having a diverse policy on its own won't work. You've got to promote a culture of inclusion in the workplace. So, for instance, if you hire a diverse set of minds, but you don't encourage them or indeed give them an opportunity to speak, then your policy won't materialize and you won't reap the benefits. We'll only really sustain a diverse workforce and harness the benefits of that if we actively and proactively encourage it in the workplace. Otherwise, you you really risk losing people. Um, And that's both a financial risk. You have workers leaving the company because either they take the view that the company doesn't care about them or care about what they do, think or bring to the table. Um, And also actually a legal risk. So for instance, if you discriminate against an employee on the basis that they're a woman, then your company could risk a sex discrimination place. So The driver for these changes, whilst they're all generally um, and predominantly international law firms, there's no reason why smaller and more local firms can't implement DNI policies in the workplace and equally uh, enjoy the benefits of having a more balanced workforce. So what sort of strategies would you say employers should be implementing to improve things? Seemingly some places are getting it right and, and some places need to work on it a bit more. So what, what are the good strategies to adopt? So I think, first of all, it's important to consider what your business is and what you're trying to achieve. But speaking very, very generally, employers put in place a number of different types of plans. So, for instance, when they're hiring when they're looking at making senior level appointments, what they might want to do is have a balanced candidate list first so that they have a balance of genders to choose who they might want to make the offer to. Companies are also looking at putting together remuneration statistics, comparing the genders and asking themselves, is there an imbalance? And if so, why is one gender being paid more than the other? Speaking my firm, Um, We put together mentoring policies and we ask ourselves how best we can, what we can do to encourage more junior staff to hit their potential 
and having open and honest conversations about what helps or hinders them in the workplace, especially when we're discussing things like performance and career development. One of the other important policy that we look at is programs to support parents to successfully transition back into the workplace, particularly after a period of leave. And that might be with mat leave. Um, and that might also include putting to in more flexible and agile working policies. So that's just a couple of examples, I suppose, to get going. But the main takeaway, I think, is really this. Talk to your people. Understand what it is they want and need. And those wants and needs might be different to your own, but have an open mind about it. Um, because as we said earlier, DNI is really here. And if you're not prepared to run with it, you might risk losing employees and clients. And few businesses can sustain and thrive in those circumstances. Now, this is the thing you've, you've kind of alluded to a couple of times already about having a more diverse workforce it means more people coming to the table with greater ideas and, and, and more broad range of ideas. Now, that could be just something that helps the, the staff morale or it could be something that actually boosts the business for the company itself. So, so what are the benefits here? Are there financial benefits as well as, say, uh, work satisfaction? Yeah, absolutely. I think there can be real profit that can be derived by boosting DNI in the workplace. Now, certainly, we're seeing more and more that our international clients are now demanding it. And from their perspective, either as a client or a customer, they'll ask, how can an organization best understand and serve our needs if they don't reflect us? Because customers come in all shapes and sizes, and of course, different genders. So, to give you an example, let's say that decision makers on a board are all men. And what they do for a living is they sell women's fashion, or let's say shoes. A valid question might be, well, how do these guys understand the comfort or discomfort I wear when I'm wearing a pair of high heels? Have they tried it out? Does it look good? Do they know what a woman wants? Now, the answer to all of those questions might well be yes. But when a customer is looking at a team and managers in particular aesthetically, if the person who's selling you shoes is a man, the customer is much more likely to ask these questions. And if your competitor um, are a more diverse group, their makeup is much more diverse. You might, in fact, decide actually you could just go to buy from them first because you don't need to ask the question. And that means that the team that are um, perhaps gender imbalanced in one degree or another, um, you lose the opportunity of showcasing your products. For instance, as a law firm, we're often asked um, a slightly different question, which is, well, what's your gender makeup? Because we're going to run a case and I need you to defend me or run a case and advance the case um, in relation to sexual discrimination. Often we're asked, is a woman going to run the case? Is it going to be a female lawyer who's going to lead the discussion? Because clients want someone who understands and empathizes with them. And don't forget, clients have a choice. They can choose which lawyer they want to instruct and who they do business with. So in my view, it's no longer a tick box exercise. Um, speaking more broadly, um, certain countries and industries, now they have annual reporting in place, whereby companies are being asked about their own demographics. What's the ratio between men and women in the decision-making role? And if there is an imbalance, companies are being asked, what are you going to do about it? So it seems to me that it is profit, it can be profit driven and it can lead to more sustainable profit. But it's a question that our clients and customers are now asking. 
and it's only they're only asking it in 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 one way now, obviously, we've talked an awful lot here about gender uh, because of the fact that it's International Women's Day this week. But should we be considering more aspects of the broadening of diversity and inclusion? Absolutely. I think all the points that I make in respect of gender imbalance is the same with respect with people of different backgrounds, people who um, may have a slightly different experience and slightly different views. But all of this, again, this... If we are able to harvest all of this, then it seems to us making better decisions because we have more range of options, views and thoughts on the table. It's important not only to look at it from a gender perspective, but also to look at it from uh, perhaps a racial perspective and a different background. So I think you're right. It's not just about gender, but it's about a diverse workforce as a whole. I wonder if this is something that should be driven by companies rather than any legal requirement to have a diverse workforce. I think that's right. I think companies need to be the main driver for it because our legislation um, is to do with preventing discrimination rather than encouraging positive e inclusivity. So we do see that international firms in particular are driving a lot of these changes. Andrea, how would you like to wrap up your thoughts on diversity and inclusion in the workplace? I think it's important that we treat people equally, but we also have to acknowledge the historical barriers that have been in place to prevent women and people of other marginalised communities from advancing their careers and their lives. It seems to me that it's a wide discussion that can be had, and perhaps not just on International Women's Day, but it should be something that's in the forefront of businesses. Brilliant. Thank you so much for joining me. That's Andrea Randall, partner at RPC, talking on the importance of diversity and inclusion in the workplace. 